Our kids are heading back to school for the second year. This time, we're prepared and sharing our best tips and resources to help your autistic child start school on the right foot. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. So uh, back to school is here a lot faster than I'm used to because we came from another state where it's not until after Labor Day, but over here they start in the first week of August. Yeah, move it up a month. Why not? I mean, kids need more school, I guess. Yeah, right? (laughs) Before we get started real quick, I just want to point out we did officially launch the beta version of our private Embracing Autism community on Gilded. It's super cool. We already have a couple members on there chatting away. It's $5 a month. You'll help support the channel, our gifting programs, all of that. Just visit autismwish.org and hit become a member. But yeah, back to school. We are actually approaching things a little bit differently this year. Our area is kind of crazy when it comes to special needs courses where they aren't all in one school. So depending on where your child gets placed, whether it's self-contained, inclusion, whatever it may be, you could be spread across various schools. So our girls, even though they're only 11 months apart, unfortunately, they're not going to the same school. It's gotten better than last year, though. So we figured out last year that as soon as we leave our house, we would drive 15 minutes in one direction, drop off one of our kids, drive 15 minutes in the other direction, drop off the other kid. And then in order to get back to our house, it took like a solid hour. So every day we were doing two hours just driving to drop them off and to pick them up. So at least this year, their two schools are closer together. So I think we can probably do the run in like 40 minutes, 45 minutes instead of an hour. So yay. (laughs) So today we want to kind of review a couple of the things that we've learned and some tips that we think will really help you guys get started at school. So the first thing that I would kind of harp on here because people underestimate the power of paper (laughs) is getting organized with your paperwork. At the very beginning of the year, You may or may not have recently had an IEP meeting, so you want to make sure that you are keeping up with your your school documentation in terms of any of the paperwork involving your child's special education program. We personally have it in our little like fireproof important paper. What would you call that? Like a case, a folder or something like that? Yeah, it's like a heavy duty like master folder. Yeah. Yeah, ours is like fireproof, waterproof. We have our IEP. But you could do something as simple as like a manila folder or something like that and just keep all of your information in there in terms of like the IEPs, any any communications that you've had with your teachers, print them out, whether it's like email, text messages, whatever it may be, print a copy of those and keep a record, a running record of it. Any meeting notices that they might be mailing you, anything you get from the special education department through mail. All of those things you should try to keep together and if possible, put them in chronological order. But I know for some people that's too much. So just have them there because you never really know. Sometimes there's some unexpected changes where let's say you had an IEP meeting at the very end of last year and now it's been the whole summer. You get back into school and you're expecting a certain accommodation like them picking up your kid at the front of the door rather than going through the carpool line. And then you show up and they're not there. And then there's some sort of miscommunication and they're like, oh, no, we never agreed on that. You you have those emails, you have that IEP, you have all the documentation. So that is definitely the first tip I would say. 
And it's also helpful just to know like what, obviously what services and goals that uh, they're trying to meet for your kids. For ours, there are a lot of like social goals that they're trying to focus on um, with kind of her peers, but just so to keep in line, like what they're actively trying to kind of incorporate into not necessarily every day of the lesson plan, but at least it's trying to be organically kind of worked in as well as like the services. So like as far as like physical therapy and occupational therapy, speech therapy that could be offered through the school, just making sure that you know how often it's being given to your child. So you're not like caught off guard that, oh, I thought they were getting speech therapy like two times a week. And you find out that it was actually far, far less than that. So just keeping in mind what your current services are, just so you're informed for the new school year. Because the summer, while it was short, it's definitely kind of a blur of what we all agreed to earlier before we even started summer break. So it's always nice to have a little quick refresher before you start. You bring up a good point because one of the things that we struggled with our first year was not really understanding that communication piece between us and the staff and the teachers. So we had an IEP, we had agreed upon certain therapies, but we weren't really sure with how frequent those therapies were going to be in terms of how many days a week, what specific days they were. Now, they had communicated that in the IEP conversation in that meeting. But, you know, after a couple months in the summer, you totally forget what those details are. So for us, it was helpful this time coming up with a communication tracker. We had a really nice teacher from our previous school put together kind of like a clickable Excel spreadsheet. And in that documentation, we have a day-to-day communication that's digital so the teacher can update it from her computer And we basically get to see what activities our kid was participating in, things that are in the IEP. Like for her, she has like certain restroom breaks. So they're keeping track of that for us. And then they have a little communication section where they'll let us know the ups and downs of the day, what she did really well, what she may have struggled with, things like that. So having that communication log, that digital documentation, or whether you create like a PDF communication sheet or something like that. Some teachers have this, but just having that ready to go in hand and utilizing it this year is something that we are ready to do where we kind of messed up last year a little bit. And I would definitely see if they're able to go uh, electronic because I remember we started last year off and everything was handwritten and they had like the small little boxes where they're supposed to tell you everything about the day. And oftentimes those little boxes got filled up very quickly and trying to go back and forth communication on a piece of paper. And then not to mention you likely don't keep track or build like a massive folder of all the communication every week through the school year. But at least if it's electronic, at least there's like a database where it keeps track. So you can also see improvements in behavior as well. Because I remember we were uh, struggling with some transitions uh, with our oldest daughter last year, and those had greatly improved throughout the year. So we were able to kind of see the change in behavior as I guess she's kind of maturing a little bit and figuring out how school kind of works with her class and that. So it's, it's helpful to try and see the changes and the progress that kind of take place over the time if you're able to take a step back and have more data versus just a week at a time. So I would definitely see if your school is able to do electronic because I think in the long run, I think it's more beneficial for you and your child if you do have the the track record behind it. And you guys let me know in the comments if you would benefit from something like that, because I could always whip one up and put it in our resources and our membership for you guys to print out and use yourselves or use digitally, not print, hopefully. Some other things that are good to keep track of in terms of communications are 
any phone calls that have been had. So if you get on a phone call, there's never a record of that communication or conversation had. So if there is a conversation had over the phone, just noting right after it happens, the date and time and a summary of what was discussed on that phone call, who it was with, those sorts of details so that you have that later for future reference. Another thing to note is any subject of conversations that are done through text message or any other informal conversations. So if you guys are having a conversation during pickup and you happen to discuss something that's IEP related or accommodation related, make a note of that as well. Just in case, because, you know, people are people and we may forget. So if you come to some sort of verbal agreement, it's best to write it down so that you don't forget and so that you can also remind the staff that you're discussing it with. And this kind of is all kind of blends together as making sure like everyone is on the same page. So like, I mean, it's not like that you don't trust your teacher or anything, but this all goes towards like helping your child and making sure like the IEP and everything is kind of in place and making sure that it's working to kind of um, improve the different challenges that you are working on with your child for the school year. So at least if everyone's on the same page, you're working towards a common goal together. So it kind of is helpful. And that's another thing to keep in mind with the IEP. Everybody who's starting school is starting in a different place. So some of you who are starting, it may be that you just got your IEP a week ago. It may be that you got it before summer. It may be that you haven't gotten it yet and you guys have an appointment scheduled for that meeting to discuss it. So depending where you are in that IEP process, it's really important to make sure that you're keeping tabs on that and that you are in communication with the team to make sure that that is moving forward. Because the last thing that you want to happen is that your child qualifies for an IEP. The school year has started, but that meeting hasn't happened. And by law, there are specific deadlines that they have to meet in order to get you that meeting. So if you feel that a lot of time has gone by and you have not had that meeting, reach out because there are certain restrictions on how long it can take and they may have crossed that time. So that's really important. The other thing is to know your IEP inside and out. The reason this is important is because you need to be able to verify that they are actually following the IEP or that they understand the IEP. Sometimes there are suggestions that are made in conversations that are not actually IEP related. So for instance, for us, we did not have in writing specifically that our child would need a wagon for field trips, but we discussed that in our IEP meeting. So that's something that you would note and kind of put on the record that way rather than having to refer to it to an IEP where it may not actually be present. The other thing to consider, and this is part of the whole autism thing when it comes to kids and going back to school, and it's trying to find a way to get your kid comfortable with that concept because our kids have a lot of issues with transitions. They might have a bit of anxiety. They might not really understand what's going on. And so there's a couple of things that you could do to prepare for that in advance. The first thing that I would recommend that we do every time is schedule a tour of the school and, if possible, a tour of the classroom. Now, unfortunately, our school, they don't set up the classrooms until like literally like the week before school. So the classroom was not available to us, but we were able to schedule both of our girls on a tour of the school itself, show them the cafeteria, show them the gym and like different places that they would likely be like the playground, etc., and then we are able to introduce them to the assistant principal, who is the one who's heading special education stuff. Through that process, we were able to prepare our kid for at least being in a new environment. Our kid is scared of fire alarms. We were able to point out or make a mental note of where they are and then let the teacher and the principal know, hey, if she's walking down this corner, she might have an issue with that. 
We showed her the bathrooms because she's phobic of public restrooms because of the noise. And we get her familiarized with that. So anything that you can do to kind of ease that transition, get pictures taken while you're there, create social stories, all those sorts of things can help with your kid's anxiety. I mean, both those are great, but I think the social stories was helpful specifically this year. I mean, obviously brand new school for our oldest, well, actually oldest and youngest. So, But as we were dropping off our oldest, she was met by her special education teacher She's only five, but her first response was, you're from the book, which was kind of like, oh, she remembers the picture of her special education teacher through the social story, which is great because, I mean, it kind of shows like she was actually actively paying attention to the social story as we're going through it enough that she was able to in person recognize the picture of her special education teacher. And I was like, wow, okay. I wouldn't have necessarily thought that she would be able to recall a face that quickly. But that was the first thing that she said to her. So I was like, fantastic. Like we're off to a great start. And then obviously the walkthrough of the school is helpful too, just because it gives her an idea of where she'll kind of be expected to go. So for example, our drop off is a little bit different than like the other children. So we drop off by the cafeteria and we had walked through the cafeteria with her on our tour. So she is familiar with the first room that she's going into with her special education teacher. So at least it kind of starts them off right where they have some idea of what to expect. I mean, obviously you can't account for like the noise and all the other students and everyone else that will be there. But um, I think having both of those are relatively critical to try and make a good first start for the new year. One of the other things that I wanted to recommend, there is something that I put together a little bit ago called the Student Introduction Portfolio. If you've subscribed to our newsletter, you've gotten a copy of it. Otherwise, there's a copy of it available in our membership and our uh, Embracing Autism community. So if you become a member, you will have access to it there as well. But this is basically a way to guide your kids' teachers on a little bit more about your child. So it might be a little more personalized rather than just like an IEP where in that IEP you basically just know whatever it is that's kind of like the medical side of your child in terms of their accommodations, their disability, that sort of thing. So for those of you listening, I'm sharing my screen right now, but this is basically what it looks like. And it basically has a couple of sections where you could talk about their interests, their likes, their dislikes, their strengths, their challenges. They also have a section here for oversensitivities, undersensitivities, what techniques you can use in order to help soothe your child. So we tell this to our teachers because our kid, they're very different. Some of them require space, whereas others require more co-regulation. So that sort of information would be helpful here. There's also tips on communication. So if your kid needs more verbal prompting, if they respond well to first then language, that sort of stuff. And then we have a section to just really personalize your kid. All of your kid's favorite things, food, song, cartoons, colors, books, toys, even if they have like a, a favorite sound or an audio stem, and then some family goals that you guys are working towards as a family. We put that in there because I think that that really gives a holistic picture of everything going on and that, you know, it's not just about the kid. It's other goals like we really want to go on a vacation together and your school can help with that because they can help with your kid's elopement, for instance. So things like that in a section for their notes. So that's what we put together for you guys. And again, if you become a member by going to autismwish.org, click on become a member, $5 a month, and you get access to our entire community with this resource and other resources, video chat, voice chat, all sorts of cool stuff. But this is available in there as well as a bunch of other resources. 
it's something that we personally are using. Like we actually make use of this every single time we put them in school. So another, I mean, thing that you didn't necessarily mention, but I mean, I was kind of thinking of it because I'm fantastic, um, <laughs> is obviously we designed this for a teacher or a Sunday school teacher or someone else that doesn't necessarily interact with your child on an everyday basis. But it also has the added benefit that it is kind of in a way a good tool for you because I mean, things change. So like, as we were filling this out, we were kind of sitting down together and we're kind of going through like, okay. What are her challenges with sound? And we're kind of reflecting, okay, how does she do with different sounds? And kind of, is she oversensitive, undersensitive? How is she with lights? What fears does she have? And it kind of gives us like a real check-in where we are kind of actively focused on our daughter's individual needs based on sensory inputs, what kind of overwhelms her, how we have learned through the time frame that we filled out the last one, how do we work with her to kind of overcome a meltdown. I mean, I feel like there's so many great questions and like opportunities to kind of further explore the uniqueness of like your child's autism. I think it's fantastic because yeah, we filled out one last year and we filled out one this year, but you kind of like check in and give yourself kind of a reflection of like, okay, have I really thought much about this uh, particular area? And it kind of is for you in a sense. I mean, obviously you're giving it to someone else, but the better you know your child, the better you can inform the person that you're handing them off to. So, I mean, I, I actually think it's a good tool just for the parents alone, even if you don't give it to anyone. That's called the student introduction portfolio. So the next thing that I would recommend is really working on the routine aspect. One of the things that we did and we tend to do when we know and anticipate that there's going to be a big transition coming up, we try to kind of do a dry run or kind of a practice run. So one of the things that we did with our kids is we knew they were going to be going to new schools this year. So over the summer, as it got about a week out or so, we did a drive towards the school and kind of did a loop and showed them, hey, this is your new school. This is where you're going to go. They always come up with fun nicknames for their schools. So they always come up with some adorable nickname for their school. It's never the name of the school. And we always just introduce it that way. So like one of the schools had farm animals, including some chickens. So they just call it chicken school. So we just come up with the cute nickname at that point and then kind of like rehash how fun it's going to be. You're going to chicken school, whatever it may be. And then we also reiterate that by going back to that transition story and walking them through the pictures. We have the teachers take pictures, not just of the classroom and the staff, but of the outside of the building, whether it's going to be like the entrance that they use to get in and out of class, or if they're going to be at a particular playground or field, we also get pictures of that. So when we're touring the school on the outside, we also have them take a look of the outside where it correlates with the social story. For our oldest in particular, we also kind of do a countdown of sorts so we'll let her know, okay, on whatever such and such day, Thursday, for example, uh, it's going to be your first day of school. So kind of leading up that week, we kind of remind them how many days they have left. Oh, on Thursday is going to be your first day of school. And then kind of the night before, oh, tomorrow you have school. So it's not anything that she wouldn't have seen coming that kind of hit her by surprise, just because, I mean, that can spark potential meltdown if it's kind of something unexpected. But if you give enough notice, hopefully that can minimize any transition struggles that you might be contending with. We also have like an after school routine that we implement and it's really short. It's basically just getting them to learn that they need to put their shoes, their jacket and their backpack like in the little cubby space. So we have like a visual aid for that where they can take their little character, which we make after their favorite stuffed animals. So we have like a little octopus and a little duck. 
and they moved the little animal down the steps. So over the summer, it's not really relevant because they don't have a backpack to put away. They don't have those like school routines. So what we did is coming up towards the beginning of the school year, about a week out, we also started reminding them of that routine. So we started reviewing it and kind of anticipating like, okay, what what are the steps that we're going to do when school starts and walking them through it again? So it's kind of like giving them a heads up or kind of like a sneak peek to what's coming up before it happens. And it gives them time to adjust and settle without the pressure of having to actually do it yet. The other thing to mention is the transportation plan. So for us, we really debated heavily on whether or not we were going to do the special education bus or if we were going to pick up. We decided against the special education bus just because in our county, it would get here way too early. I mean, they're only four and five, and it would require us to basically wake them up close to like 530 or 540 in the morning. And that's really not something I'm okay with. So we decided because of that to go the carpool route. However, if your kid is going to be going the bus route, they more than likely are going to have some sort of aid. They might be using like a harness that kind of buckles them in. They might have certain things that they're going to have to know about when they're doing that. So if that's the case and your child is going through that process, again, walking them through it, if your school can do like a dry run where they allow your kid to maybe go on a bus and tour the bus practice kind of sitting down and seeing what it's like. If they're going to be using a special harness, maybe practice with the harness before there's other kids on the bus. Um, Just different accommodations like that to get them comfortable with the idea, especially if it's the first time they've ever done it or been exposed to it. And I would definitely, uh, when you call the school, just explain the situation to them. Because for our kids, even though they uh, both are dropped off by us, we were able to get accommodations from the principal that we drive on a certain side of the school that generally isn't for the normal car rider. So, I mean, if you kind of explain what the situation is, why you're requesting a potential tour of the bus or something along those lines, I'm hopeful that no school will push back on that given, I mean, the situation. So I would just kind of keep that in mind as something to mention that it might be helpful to mention the need for why it's important to even tour the bus or anything along those lines, just so you can minimize any potential pushback from any staff that doesn't necessarily know what they're allowed to do with just everyday people. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things that I'm surprised that I hear a lot from parents is it seems like a lot of parents are unaware of just how much you can actually do with the school A lot of times parents think, oh, if it's not my IEP, it's not an option, but that's not the case. We didn't have to get in the IEP that she gets a private tour as opposed to going to open house, which is something that we did because we knew she was going to be overstimulated. So we specifically scheduled a private tour so that she could have that one-on-one tour and it would be quieter and we'd be more in control of the situation. That was not something that was in our IEP. We simply reached out to our IEP team. They gave us the correct connections who happened to be the assistant principal at this time. We talked to them about the situation and they're like, yeah, sure, that's not a problem. Let's schedule a date. So if you feel like your child could benefit from something that seems a bit unconventional and maybe has never been discussed in an IEP meeting, don't let that stop you from at least asking because you would be surprised what you actually can do. So like Matt was saying, we were also able to get approved an alternative drop-off point because she's high elopement risk and she gets overwhelmed when there's crowds. So if she was in that rush of the other kids during drop-off or pickup, 
she might elope, essentially. She might get overwhelmed or excited and elope. So oftentimes, they're really understanding of that, and you're able to make that accommodation, and we did not have to have that written in the IEP. Yep. So always ask, regardless of whatever it is. <laughs> the worst thing that could happen is that they say no. And honestly, even if they say no, you can typically bring that up the chain. You can ask about, you know, FAPE, your access to public education. There are other things that you can do even if they say no. So I wouldn't stop there. Maybe get an advocate who can help you advocate for those things. But generally speaking, it shouldn't be too hard to get a basic accommodation like that. It's just not necessarily always spoken about. They're not going to necessarily advertise what you can get. So when you go to school, you will never have an IEP meeting where the teachers come out and say, hey, these are all the awesome accommodations we can offer you. Which ones would you like? Like that will essentially, I mean, not essentially, it just will not happen. So you really have to do some digging and figure out what are these unique accommodations that exist, connect with other parents and ask them what they've used. Ironically enough, I did create a section in the private Embracing Autism community where I list out a bunch of different accommodations you can request. But even if you connect outside of that with other parents, you can talk to other parents and hear what their kid is getting as an accommodation and see if that's a good fit for your kid and bring it up with your teachers. So that's the most important part of that transition is really making sure that you've put into place everything that you can to make it as smooth as possible when they get dropped off and picked up from school. Yep. I think that is, I think we covered everything, right? That we can possibly think of for that. <laughs> I think it was a good walkthrough. Yeah, that's pretty much everything that you need to know from beginning to end when it comes to prepping for that first day of school. The only thing that I can really say in terms of like your kid, other than things like having a transition plan or anything like that, is really getting your kids buy-in too, if possible. This depends on the level of autism and how cognizant they are of the situation. But if you have like a mid to higher functioning autistic kiddo who is very aware of the situation and perhaps able to have conversations, try to get them involved with the process as well. One of the things that I learned from a friend of mine who has an autistic child is she had put in place an accommodation where her kid would basically have to be moved to the front of the class so it would help reduce distractions. But she found out after talking to her son that he actually really hated that because he felt like all eyes were on him. If he was at the front of the class and everyone's behind him, it gave him anxiety that he felt like he was being watched or like he couldn't tell what was going on behind him. So that was actually an IEP accommodation that mom thought was working well and the kid actually did not like. So after having that conversation with him, she was able to call for another IEP meeting to get an amendment and actually move him to the back of the classroom. And he liked that much better. So that's why it's also important if your kid is capable to also have these conversations with them, have them involved with IEP meeting, have them involved in the whole process and make sure that you are doing everything with their best interests and giving them as much of a say as possible, given the circumstances that you're in. Yeah, I think for me, I think the big thing is making sure that you're planning enough ahead as far as the walkthrough, the social stories, the accommodations that you will need before day one and not letting it day one, there's confusion, there's not sure what everything is happening and you're kind of figuring it out as you go. Try to minimize that as much as possible and I think that will definitely at least make some type of improvement for the first couple of days back. It might not be a perfect transition. But at least it gives you and your child every opportunity to at least have a game plan prior to even starting. 
Because if you're starting in any anxiety or doubtful situation where there's confusion, I think it's just going to amplify from that. And I don't think it'll get necessarily better before it gets a little bit worse. So I think definitely don't go into the first day or first week, just hoping everything goes well. Try and set up any type of plan you can ahead of time. At the end of the day, just breathe, relax, have fun. You know, if something goes wrong, like I think on the first day of school, one of our kids ended up like scraping her knee, getting injured, crying about it. Our other kid ended up having some transition issues and some talkback issues and behavioral issues. It's the first day of school. They're going to need some adjustment period. There's going to be some challenges. We are the type of people that are really much so about praising the trying rather than the succeeding. So if I feel like my kid tried, I'm still going to take them out for ice cream and be like, look, I'm really proud of you for trying. I know it was hard, but this is great. Don't feel as though if something doesn't go right the first day, that that's how it's going to be for the rest of the day or that's going to be the rest of the school year. It's not necessarily going to be. So that's just the last piece of advice I have there. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Like, what are you guys most nervous about heading back to school? Is there something that works really well for your kid? Maybe share it with us and let us know what worked for you if it wasn't mentioned here. Head over to our Embracing Autism community to keep that conversation going. Matt and I will be there to continue this conversation. If you guys have any questions, we'll be there to answer them. It's our private Embracing Autism community on Gilded. And it's just a $5 a month membership, which is going to support our charitable programs. Just go to autismwish.org and click on become a member. We have behind the scenes content, voice only video chat rooms. We're starting up a book club. We're going to have direct access to us. So if you guys have questions about any of the content that we talk about on the podcast, we'll be there. And everything is going to be supporting our mission and advocacy work at Autism Wish. So we hope to see you there. And obviously we're there so we can chat back and forth all the time because that's where we live. We are probably too <laughs> accessible there. We probably should not be that accessible, but... But it's fun. It's so. for the people. <laughs> exactly. So. All right. We'll see you then. Have a good one, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye. This has been the audio from the Embracing Autism podcast live stream series. Please check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at Autism Wish to catch these shows live. Otherwise, stick around next week for our next episode. This is Embracing Autism.